and welcome to another episode of It Was All a Stream. I'm your host, Chris Sachs, along with my co-host and cousin, Neil Carroll. Welcome back, everybody. We have some fun stuff for this episode two of It Was All a Stream, if you could believe it. We are now two weeks in a row. We're, We're committed. It's because the world needs our perspective and our particular genius on things. Absolutely. It's not because we're bored and lonely quarantining. It's not at all. No. Um, So we got some fun stuff today. We're going to talk about episodes one and two of our Mandalorian season one rewatch. And then we're going to get into some fun segments, talk about the news, stuff that's coming out uh, soon for uh, different streaming services. And then we'll get into our you know, suggested for use from last week and suggest some more stuff for myself and Neil to watch um, this upcoming week. So let's get right into it. Mandalorian, episodes one and two. Again, we're doing this rewatch because season two is coming out at the end of the month. So we're going to time it nice and perfect so that we could start talking about season two once, uh, once that comes out and premieres. Um, any opening thoughts? Give me like a sense of what your feeling was. Go back in time yeah. prior to Mandalorian coming out. Prior to Mandalorian coming out. All right. So I have a long storied past with Star Wars. And so prior to Mandalorian coming out, we had just gotten through um, the penultimate star wars film in the saga okay Mm -hmm. which was not didn't really land for me i have issues with that which is a whole different podcast Mm -hmm. but you know and then we were heading into and and have subsequently finished the last entry which had a retcon a lot of things people didn't really like it they jam-packed a lot in there um but i'm i entered mandalorian this way i was like okay one It takes us back to the original generation of Star Wars, the original time period. takes us back to episode five. Basically, we've just finished uh, Luke, and we've just finished um, the end of the Death Star. Vader's gone. We've witnessed um, Boba Fett enter the Sarlacc pit. Uh, Han Solo's out of carbonite. Life is good again. So we're all ready for it. I was like, this is great, because the prequels, you know, didn't bring everybody in. These new movies, they started strong with Force Awakens. They had pitfalls and problems along the way. Mandalorian was a nice opportunity to bring everybody back that was not on board with the last six entries in the film. So they were like, let's go back to the originals. Let's get the same vibe, the same feeling. And they definitely had it. They definitely landed that with Mandalorian. So going in, my vibe, my feeling was that I was, I'm ready. I was ready to go back to that world, back to a, a time that I recognized not a lot of CG, mm-hmm. not a lot of green screen, practical effects. Uh, they had at one point a seat belt in one of the spaceships that had bubble wrap wrapped around it to make it look spacey. I yeah. like that. That's what they did in the original um, Millennium Falcon. So I really appreciate it. And we've got good guys working on this series too. That, Favreau. Uh, talk about Favs. 
Gotta love Favreau, Pedro Pascal. They brought yep. in a lot of great guest stars throughout the, the first season with some semi-regulars, Carl Weathers. Cool. I mean... So let's talk for a second because I want to ask you this question now. So A, Favreau, no question, excellent. He did a great job and penned the first two episodes, wrote them. Yes. Um, set, the st- set the stage, set the tone. I believe he wrote the, almost the whole series. I, well, he's did, yeah, it was virtually it, it a was showrunner. The, but, yeah. yeah, the majority were of the episodes were, I'm looking here right now at the list, six mm. of the eight episodes okay. were all written by by Favs. He's the yep. man. He's the man. Did a great, doing an excellent job. But as an actor, Pedro Pascal, I think he's doing an excellent job. He's got to leave the mask on all the time. We get through the entire first season. Basically, you could put anybody in that suit. How do you feel about his performance given the fact that there's no expression? It's like, it's like uh, the first Spider-Man where you put Willem Dafoe, one of the most expressive actors in the world, in a mask mm-hmm. that has no expression, right. and they cover his, they even cover his eyes. What do you think of that? Well, I think it's a it's a good performance because uh, like people would think like, oh, it's it's easy. He's probably not even in the suit, and he's just it's just voiceover, yada yada, whatever. But he has to do so much because you can't see his face with just his voice and body language alone. Definitely. To, to tell you and convey and like give you further insight, um, deeper insight into his character and who he is. And it does help. He does play it. He's very like stoic and by the book and, and all that stuff. So it, it makes it a little bit easier, I would guess, to play someone like that who doesn't have a face. Um, so that's what I would say. I mean, I think he's doing a good job. I mean, he was great in uh, Game of Thrones. Yeah. He was everyone's favorite when he was on Game of Thrones. Um, so I, I would say he's doing awesome. Yeah, and I think it helps that they got him and not an unknown because everybody knows he can act. Mm-hmm. Like this thing, he did such a great job on Game of Thrones and now he's in that suit. I When I was watching the first episode, it reminded me, and it's funny that we're doing this in October. It reminded me of Halloween, the movie Halloween. Yeah. So you've got Mike Myers, the, the big bad, no words spoken in the film, beginning to end. But there's a moment where he, like after one of the first kills in the movie, mm-hmm. he, and it was ad-libbed by the actor who was just like a stuntman. He wasn't actually an actor. Right. He like kills this person and then just tilts his head as yep. though he's like, uh-huh. That's funny, or that's interesting. And that body language and that movement and, you know, what that did to the audience, like what is he thinking behind the mask? It just, it brought me back to that, made me think of that. So, and I like the idea that they're not pandering to stars or to like the, you know, the audience in a way where they're saying, well, we're going to, you know, we started this way, but we're going to take them out of the mask because that's not the whole thing. I like it. It's like, look, this is the way, that's the line. This is the way. This is what we do. We got a great actor, mm-hmm. but he's going to be in this mask and that's going to be the jam. So I hope they stick with it. Yeah. And I do kind of like to how obviously there's this and we're, let's just do our spoiler alert now. I don't know who hasn't seen it yet. If you're watching along with us, hopefully yes. you've watched the first two episodes to listen to yes. us talk about it. Um, so we are definitely heavy spoilers. Um, we'll try to stay within these the two episodes that we're talking about each week, but 
and we'll keep in mind if we are going to spoil something from further down the line in season one, we'll let you know. Um, but right now, spoiler alert for episode one and two um, of Mandalorian. So I really do like how each episode, although there is that overarching um, storyline of Baby Yoda, each episode is really its own like little adventure. You know, it reminded yeah. me a lot of like, uh, and I didn't watch these shows very much growing up, but they were always on like, on like, I don't know, like Pix 11 or whatever, <laughs> where like, like her, the old Hercules or Xena oh, yeah, shows sure, yeah. or, or like even, even something like Walker, Texas Ranger yeah. or something, you know what I mean? Where it's Those like bottle episodes where it was all just bottle episodes. Like each episode was just its own like weird adventure storyline with new characters. And the only central characters were, was the main character. Right. Right. Um, That's kind of what it reminded me of um, as I was rewatching episodes one and two. Um, I'm what I'm going to do just so that we can like get a little bit more in depth into the episodes is I'm going to give a quick recap of each these are taken straight off wikipedia so thank you wikipedia um so episode one five years after the fall of the galactic empire a mandalorian bounty hunter hands his latest bounty to grief karga who is carl weathers um then he accepts an under the table commission on the outpost world of navarro from a client with apparent imperial connections directing him to track down and capture an unnamed 50 year old target while the client is indifferent to the target's well-being his colleague dr pershing insists the target be brought back alive mandalorian is given a down payment of a single bar of beskar steel sacred to his people he takes it to a covert Mandalorian enclave where an armorer uses it to make him, uh, I'm not going to say the word because I don't know how to pronounce Sigil. it, but it makes him a, a, a shoulder pad. Yeah, basically. Uh, arriving at the planet of the target's last reported location, the Mandalorian is aided by a vapor farmer named Quill. Quill? Quill. Is that how we say it? Little okay. Nick Nulty. He basically tired of the chaos that bounty hunters bring to the area little nick nolte leads him to the target's location and departs entering the remote and heavy defended encampment the mandalorian reluctantly teams up with bounty hunting droid ig11 to clear the camp and find the quarry a child of yoda's species baby yoda when ig-11 attempts to kill the infant per its bounty orders the mandalorian shoots and destroys the droid taking the child alive a lot to unpack there a lot to unpack so so i have questions for you hit me now obviously this is canon officially they're now yeah they've you know wiped away years of canon before disney purchased star wars so this is officially canon the explain to me a little bit because you are out i'm considering you our resident star wars wise consideration 
So as far as this, like, I thought it was a little weird, this entire, like, almost like religion of bounty hunters, rather than it's just like a group of bounty hunters that do this. Right. It's almost like their religion, because they say like, it's his people, like the best car steal is sacred to his people. So like, any background on that? All right. So as far as the business of bounty hunting goes, no, they're just like, in general, there's human bounty hunters, there's machine bounty hunters, that IG-11. Um, everybody was excited to see it because it is the same model as IG-88, which was one of the, and he goes by in a flash in the scene in uh, Empire Strikes Back mm-hmm. when Vader hires all the bounty hunters and then he looks at Boba right. Fett and he's like, no disintegrations. IG-88 is there. And he became like a fan favorite because he's on and off so quick and you never see him again. So when IG-11 shows up, everybody's like, what? But bounty hunting is just a business in the Star Wars world. When it comes to Mandalorians, they were actually, uh, they became a nation or a planet of warriors, not even, not even right. bounty hunters, just warriors. And before that, they, were, they had attempted to be peaceful as well, but they were a nation of warriors, uh, planet of warriors, and their whole religion becomes battle, becomes pain to a degree, becomes conflict. And there's a great exploration of that in the, um, in the cartoons. Uh, now it's Rebels, used to be, why am I drawing a blank? Clone Wars. Yep. So it was uh, Star Wars, Clone Wars, and then they kind of morphed into Rebels, but they really did an excellent job of looking at that planet, which is now canon. And there was a group that wanted to become peaceful and become active members in galactic society. And then there was a stronger group that is searching for an item that is going to make an appearance. And that item is, uh, you know, without spoiling, that item is kind of their totem, their thing that they mm-hmm. rally around, the, the militant wing of the Mandalorians. Um, but... But as far as their uh, bounty hunting goes, they're incredibly skilled because one, it could be anybody behind that mask. Yes. They, they have the ability to be kind of anonymous. Two, they have all these military skills. So they're right. able to take down anybody from any species, you know, as they grow and you see this in the, in the, series and, and you see a bit of it in the first episode as they move along and progress they get different things for their outfit they get different weapons different um armor stronger armor and so on but that's so that that makes sense that they became kind of the unofficial mercenaries of the galaxy mm-hmm. and also in star wars so you've got like uh, you know innumerable planets it makes sense that bounty hunting is a legitimate profession and that you would get people like, like their space version of dog, the bounty hunter. It makes sense right? because you've got an empire, you've got the galactic Republic, you've got whatever it is. Someone skips the planet on you. So it's not like I got to track somebody down in Jersey. It's I got to leave earth and find somebody on the moon exactly. of Saturn five. So like, it's, it's a tough real, to yeah. inf- have some sort of law enforcement when it's uh, but definitely, a bunch of different planets. Absolutely. But definitely a, a, like a situation that's rife 
for storytelling makes a perfect of TV show. So kind of going along those lines, one thing that like I was thinking about during this episode, yeah. How do the tracking fobs work? Like it I, I'm assuming that right. like the fob doesn't work unless you are on the planet of whoever you're hunting. Right. Like it's not like I could be on planet earth and i can use the fob and it'll track someone down over in mars because like mando is given the location the last known location of his target and then when he gets to the planet the thing starts beeping or whatever but how is the fob linked to the person without a tracker is it like dna that's what i thought how do they do it yeah i'm gonna admit kind of like a cheat code it's a little kind of a cheat code it's the bounty hunter cheat code the fob is new to the Star Wars world. So the, the tracking fob is a John Favreau creation for this series. In the past, in the movies, they get, they're like, listen, I got eight bounty hunters on, on the deck of my ship. We're tracking down the Millennium Falcon. You guys figure it out. Make it work. Go get them. Right. And then there's that scene where you know, they all fly off trying to find them. And Boba Fett is waiting because he knows they're somewhere, you know, they're going to wait and deploy with the trash. That's, they always mm-hmm. drop the trash before they jump to light speed. And then you see his ship take off. You think he's like a piece of space trash. And then he ends up following Money Falcon because the man got skills. So I think they kind of took that away and they made it too easy by introducing this fob thing. That's one of the things that I don't really like. Yeah. I also don't like the fact that, like you said, they don't explain it. So I, I have to admit, I don't have an explanation. I'm assuming it's some kind of DNA that might be codified in the old empirical databases where it's like, oh, we've got John Smith on file. We're going to tag him in this. Mm-hmm. But, you know, not, not well explained. Not well explained. And then, obviously, most importantly in this episode was the big reveal yes. of Baby Yoda which was, I don't know how they kept it under wraps the way that they did leading up to the series because there was no sign of a baby Yoda whatsoever. Um, And like, I was shocked when I first saw it. And this is a big deal because again, no one has any idea what Yoda is. That's why we have to call this thing baby Yoda because we don't even know what the species is. Genius marketing tool. Because we don't know the species. So it's genius marketing tool because they're forced to call it Baby Yoda. Excellent delivery because he's walking in. It's like, oh, my God, he's got he's to abscond with an infant. This is a baby. Look how small this container is. And then the hand reaches out. You see the three fingers. And you're like, Baby Yoda. Mm-hmm. Credits. I loved it. That was, it was perfectly done. Even if you weren't invested, but you made it to the end of the show... Yep. That brought you back for the rest of the show. Absolutely. Or for the rest of the series. Absolutely. Um, but here's a thing coming from my perspective with like uh, what I was thinking was going to happen. When they said 50 years old, I was doing the time timeline in my head. So it's 50 years after the Battle of Yavin, like after um, Endor, after uh, Jedi, Return of the Jedi. So Darth Vader's roughly 
50 years old, maybe 60 when he dies in that movie. So this is now 50 years later. So Luke Skywalker would be in his 70s. Yeah. Um, is it 50 years later from there or does Baby Yoda just happen to be 50 years old? Because I know oh, this, I, yeah. this takes place between after. Right. Return of the Jedi and, um, and Episode, A New Hope. Yeah. New Hope. Not no, New Hope. sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, the Force Awakens. Right. Um, I was I was con- combining two different things. Gotcha. So the fifty-year mark from Anakin being in Episode One to Return of the Jedi. Gotcha. All right. So now from Episode One, he's like eight or nine, ten. He was supposed to be, and Padme was supposed to be like a sixteen-year-old queen of the planet. Okay. He's 60 when he dies, roughly, because it's about 50 years from episode one to Return of the Jedi. Okay. In that time, in episode one, there is a female version of Yoda. Yes, there is. On the council. She doesn't show up again in any of the other episodes, but she's there in episode one. It's Yoda with a wig. Yes. So now Yoda with a wig and regular Yoda are getting at it in between films, 50 years goes by, makes sense that they got this infant, if that's the aging structure of right. the child. Right. The other person that I thought sense. it might be, lines the up. other person, yeah, right, lines up, is Mon Mothma, who's like the, the chick yep. um, in the, the new bigger trilogy. Role. Yep. No, no, not the new one, the original. Oh, 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 I'm, yeah. I'm thinking of the, the, the little alien. Or with the, the, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maz Kanata. Yeah, sorry. No, no, all good. My mistake. Word. I know who you're talking about now. Exactly. So she would have been 50 at the time of this show. Because she was old. She was like in her 40s, leading the Republic, you know, introducing. You know, she's the one that's like, many Bothans died to get us this information. That yeah. Way. So I thought maybe they're going to kidnap her or do something like that. So obviously a better choice to go with Yoda, but I didn't see it coming. I started racking my brain for who would be 50 years old at the time. Mm-hmm. My thing with Yoda, and then, I'll, and then I'll turn it back over to you. When he, in the, with, without spoiler alerts, I hope all of you people listening have watched Star Wars, Yoda's 900 years old towards the end. Okay? Right. By the time we're finished with Yoda, he's 900 years old. So... That would put him, if in 50-year increments, that would make him what? Like a teenager when he dies? That doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, unless just the aging process is so weird. Like, they probably didn't think it through that much. So, like, idiots like us are thinking it through. But maybe it becomes where you're – it's a slow – like a long childhood and then all of a sudden an accelerated growth and and aging. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's something like that. I mean, if baby Yoda is 50 and they're only like maybe what, two? Right. Maybe Maybe. if that. So, you know, that's the only explanation. So if every 25 years is a year, it's not going to work. No. This gives them an interesting opportunity and, and they can hire me as a writer if they'd like to discover the home planet and have to take the child there because 
their species requires some kind of like ritual that -hmm. advances them. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like he has to go through the aging ritual or something. Giancarlo Esposito, the actor, I know recently in an interview said that seasons three and four are where we're going to get more answers. Like, All right, I'm in. I'll wait. So I, I, I guess we're waiting season two. Um, mm-hmm. Let's get let's get into the second episode. Do um, it. I don't know. Do you want me to read the recap, or do we just want to do a recap? Let's just get. Let's you just do, do, you a, do a, a quick recap. little recap. So yeah. essentially, Mandalorian. He's got Baby Yoda. Gets back to his ship, Word. and the Jawas came. And they stole all the parts to Mando's ship. So now, again, he's on to a new adventure. He's got to find the, the the parts. He runs after them. It doesn't. His rescue of of the parts does not work. Um, he gets like electrocuted and and whatnot. Right. And then he goes back to uh, Little Nick Nolte's farm. Yes. And gets some assistance from Little Nick Nolte, who. Uh, negotiates with the Jawas and tries to make a deal, a trade deal, which obviously Mando's pissed about because it's his, they stole his stuff. Why does he have to trade for it? But nonetheless, they would like for Mando to go get the quote-unquote egg. So right. Mando goes to the this cave. There's a giant monster. He's getting beat to shreds by the monster by this you know big beast and baby yoda comes in uses some force levitation and mando just gets in there and 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 stabs the monster while it's you know force levitated right yoda and it tucker is an accomplice in a murder and um mando gets the egg the jawas immediately just eat the egg the, it had no other hilarious. value they just it's a delicacy it open yeah. and eat it and they give him back his parts and then genius. towards the end you know they rebuild the ship little nick nolte helps and mando offers him to come with him he says no he's right. he's at, at home so he's hanging there he's had enough. and they go off so all right one let's talk about some acting Okay, now that we've kind of dove in, we've talked about some previous history, and then I'm going to talk about it a little bit more. Let's talk about acting. One, you know, I love Carl Weathers. I love Rocky. But this show demonstrates to me why we haven't seen Carl Weathers around in a while. Oh, I know. Mean. I know. Because his big move is like Mando. Which That's is his great. big thing. It's great, but like. It's amazing. Enough. You know, that's every eight seconds. Every time he's on screen, Mando. Love it. I nine, no, no. So he is definitely not, you know, star material. I'm just saying. I think his career well, that is, is as good as it could be. Blasphemy. There, fair enough. Uh, Nick Nolte was perhaps the most perfect casting of a part in the last 50 years. Wow, that is... A I'm going to say it. Lofty praise. Lofty, lofty praise. praise right there. Because you know, you know Nick Nolte has a general demeanor of like just being done with everything. Like he's yep. had enough. When he's not playing a character, he's just like, nah, yeah, 
Yeah, and now this one with this character, character, he could just say, I have spoken, and yes. then he's done. That's and it. That's his whole thing. Like, <laughs> ah, yeah, I have spoken. And just, so he was perfect for that. Um, with as far as the storyline goes, so like, and Nick Nolte plays an Ugnot too. It's worth mentioning. Ugnot's last scene on Cloud City. Yep. All right. And he makes mention when he's, when he's talking about, uh, like you said, you know, he was invited to go, but decides not to go with Mando. He's like, listen, man, I got my freedom. Um, you know, I worked for my freedom. I'm here. I own this land. I don't want to go anywhere, which leads us to believe years later that all those Ugnots we saw in Cloud City working in the basement. Um, you remember when C-3PO gets blown up and then yep. Chewie's got to go pick, pick and put them together and yep. there's Ugnots down there. So maybe they were slaves. Maybe, you know, it, maybe, yeah. uh, what's his name? That's interesting. Billy D. Williams was running a little bit of a slave colony. Is that, is that surprising that Lando is up to some shady stuff? No, Lando was going to make a, whatever deal he's worked gonna best for him. He's going to make a buck. Yeah, he's going to make a buck. Although it'd be nice to think that maybe he's creating like a safe haven for we all like these. to believe that because yeah. we like Lando and exactly. we don't want like that it's like much evil of, yes. like penetrating his character. Um, I but do have a question for you. Hit me. So, well, I had the one observation, like just how does Yoda's carriage work? <laughs> it just knows to follow no. Mando around. It, it does. Is Yoda, is, yeah. That's that's kind of cool, but it's also like, how does that work? But so, really, but, more importantly, yeah. is earlier on after the the failed rescue of his parts from the the Jawas, Mando is patching himself up because he's mm-hmm. got a cut across his arm, and you see the beginnings of Baby Yoda. He's gonna use and spoiler alert for future things in, in the season, right. he's going to use a, his healing power. He wants to use his healing power. Now, this was this the first appearance of the Force being able to actually heal people? Yes. The way it's depicted, this is the first appearance, where he's got a wound and the wound fills up. And like, doesn't, it's not a cut anymore. It's not. So was it ever suggested, I guess? So I take it that in the prequel trilogy, when they're talking all about how Anakin didn't have a father and he was conceived by midi-chlorians and all that, conceived by the force. I'm going to say that that is the first example of the force healing a person or or creating life creating and, life yeah and stuff tissue like that. and all that gotcha so if they want to go down that road that might be an interesting thing and it might also be like a, a back door into explaining anakin and how he got here you know yeah so that would be an interesting if they want to pursue that the the carriage the yoda baby carriage no, man, we've seen that in uh, a lot of Mando comes from, and fittingly, because that's where we see Boba Fett, a lot of Mando comes from uh, Empire Strikes Back. Gotcha. So yep, that makes sense. If you remember, Han Solo's putting carbonite, mm-hmm. and then they're walking him out of Cloud City, and he's floating. Right. 
That's a thing and that it's bounty following hunters him. do. Yeah, yeah, and it's funny because in the in the first episode, he has all the carbonite bounties that he's yeah. collected, and they're taking him out of the ship, and they're doing the same thing where they're floating. Cool callback. I mean, amazing nice callback, callbacks yeah. throughout the first two episodes. It's funny you mentioned the the quote from Darth Vader about not. Yeah vaporizing people or, no or whatever disintegration. no disintegration and then mando in the opening scene of, oh, of episode two he disintegrates beautiful. the the three uh the three guy or the one guy whatever yeah um and then he disintegrates the jawas so i guess oh. that's a thing that bounty hunters do it's which i didn't do. realize did they do that in the movies did you ever see a disintegration no. I never, we never, okay. So there's two things that get close. One in the prequel trilogy, uh, um, Jango Fat has a flamethrower and he's shooting flames at uh, Obi-Wan on Kamino, that like water planet where the clones are. But in the original, if you remember when Luke is with Obi-Wan, old Ben, learning about the force, talking to him. And he's like, oh my God, if they find out where they you know who sold the droids they'll lead them all the way back home and he runs back and uncle owen and aunt Beru are burnt up all you see is skeletons right. remember that yeah so like but i that's consider a little that different. a disintegration kind of it's, it's a little different because they were like it's fiery it's fiery yes yeah. technically they're being they're disintegrating right. but like it's not a full like and I guess this is more I mean I guess it's technically they're disintegrated, but really they're like vaporized. They just right. disappear. But here's the thing, and I'm putting this together years later. That's that's episode so that's a new hope. That was the first ever Star Wars movie to come right. out. It's episode they five, could the never first do one that. They couldn't do it, but if you remember it's stormtroopers that land on Tatooine. And Obi-Wan Kenobi's like, those blaster points, far too um, precise for sand people. You know, it had to be Imperial troopers. I don't think it was the Imperial troopers that got to Uncle Owen and Aunt Brew. I think it was Boba Fett. And I think Vader's line in the next movie, Empire Strikes Back, about no disintegrations, I think he's referencing that. Interesting, yeah. Could Anakin, be. Anakin Skywalker, Vader knows Uncle Owen and Aunt Brew. He had right. dinner with them. He, you know, he met their father and went out and killed all those sand people and brought back his mother, Shmi. So he knows Never them. And I think he's like, I think he was feeling a certain type of way. And he's like, listen, dude, just keep it in your holster and quit messing around. You burnt up my aunt and uncle. But I think that's what that was a reference to. All right. So we will return to the Mandalorian episodes three and four next week. Let's move on to a new segment that we are going to call Rollin' or Trollin'. So I'll be reading the latest headlines, and then you're going to let me know if you're Rollin' or Trollin'. All right. So starting off, The Lion King is in development with a sequel uh-huh. with director Barry Jenkins of Moonlight and If Beale Street Could Talk fame um, to helm this for Walt Disney Studios. Are we rolling with the Lion King, the, the live-action Lion King sequel, or are we trolling it? I'm going to troll it like it's my job, okay? 
This is exactly what I'm talking about. Less of this, more of everything else. This is the problem. This is why the nation's in trouble. We don't need Lion King 2, the wrath of Simba or whatever they're going to call it. Enough. We had the, we had the, the cartoon ones. Lion King, Lion King one and a half, all that stuff, Timon and Pumbaa, fine. It's a cartoon. I, we can, I can get behind that. I don't need to spend another $300 million to do live action version sequel. We don't, it's unnecessary. Who's there? Everybody's gone. There's nothing to talk about. And I'm already upset because there was a whole big to-do that we couldn't have the original cast come back and be the same people they were in the cartoon. I was upset about it. And here's my point. Well, they kind of had the, the they, they at least brought one. back. Of course you brought back James Earl Jones. Of James course Earl you Jones. brought back you James had Earl to. Jones. Right. Because no one, because I would have boycotted that. If they were like, no, we're not going to bring back James Earl Jones. It'd be like, then the hell with this movie. Why are we doing it? If not to listen to him, yeah. I would have, and then they changed the be prepared song and they took out some of the goose stepping and all that stuff which i get but also they're the bad guys it's okay to have them do that kind of stuff because they're the bad guys so i was upset with that movie because i feel like it would have been better with the original cast it would have been better rowan rowan atkinson who played uh zazu was genius he was hysterical in the first in the cartoon version why couldn't we bring him back why couldn't we bring back uh, Matthew Broderick? Why could, like all these people, right. that would have been a fun marketing tool. But, you know, circumstances, I mean, we weren't allowed to do it. So it made a lot of money still. It um, made a ton of money, made a ton of money. But we do it, not it need accomplished to see Disney's goals. Um, we don't need to see it. Yeah, for, I mean, listen, for me, I'll, I'll troll, definitely troll the, the first live action because it was pretty much the exact same as the cartoon, so it really wasn't needed. I at least, maybe I'll give them some credit because I think that was the large critique is like, this is just the same thing. Why do we need this? At least this seems like it's going to be something brand new. So yeah. at the very minimum, at least there it looks like unless they're gonna do a live action Lion King one and a half, which is ridiculous. <laughs> but at least it seems like okay. At least here they're gonna bring something totally. new to the table, yeah. and it's not just a retread of what we've seen already. Um, all right, a lot of Disney news. Jamie Fox is reportedly set to return as Electro in the mcu's spider-man 3 right now the details of what the story is are being kept um behind closed doors but it's a pretty big shock that he's coming back um and this kind of follows along with the the mcu spider-man bringing back old versions of spider-man like we had j jonah jameson come back yes and a lot of people are theorizing that this opens the door a little bit more to like the whole multiverse thing. So mm-hmm. are we rolling or trolling with Jamie Foxx coming back as Electro for Spider-Man three. And again, we don't know if this is a cameo, if this is a big part, medium part, whatever, I... but he's officially, it seems like coming back. I... I'm going to roll with it. 
I'm going to roll with it because you always get your money's worth with uh, Jamie Foxx. Like, I have not watched a Jamie Foxx movie or, you know, a clip of him in something and not, and walked away being like, ah, what a waste of my time. I've always enjoyed whatever it is he's doing on screen. Electro, ill-conceived, and Andrew Garfield, not my, not my Spider-Man. Um, but so, you know, so I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and say that was just a, you know, it was a, it was bad timing for him. So I'd like to see what Disney does with him and what yeah. Marvel's input would be. So yeah, I'm going to, I'll roll with it. Seconded. I do, I do like Jamie Foxx. The only thing that does worry me is that this does seem like it's a, pushed by sony and not mm. by disney so that of course worries me a little bit given True. how sony has handled spider-man in the past but you know me i'm a big jamie fox guy so anything and he's in I'm, I'm a big fan i'll of. tell you something else we've got to get corona over with because we've got what another five years before what this kid playing spider-man turns 50 yeah and he, then again I mean, he's, he's baby faced so at least he's he baby faced but the clock's um, ticking all right, so this actually is, I guess, good news for us. Disney Plus has launched its own streaming party feature called Group yes. Watch, uh, where viewers can invite up to six other Disney Plus members to stream all at the same time. There's no audio or text communication, but you can just share emojis with each other during certain moments. Um, I imagine we're going to be using this in some fashion for the premiere of Mandalorian, but are you rolling or trolling, I'm trolling. Disney Plus's new feature? I'm trolling because just like Disney to take a good idea and screw it up. Why would we not, like, I'm going to send you a friggin' emoji? Yeah, what? like, oh, that was a funny moment. Laugh emoji. Laugh emoji. Stop <laughs> yourself. Stop yourself. We're, I'm, that's ridiculous. This is the problem. This too is the problem. Why create something and then not allow? So the whole point, me and you could just hit play at the same time. Well, at I least at the very least, one person can control pausing and playing so that everyone is literally watching at the exact same time. So that's oh, good. Fantastic. And then I guess we'll just, you know, do this on the other side of it. Um, I, I'm trolling it too. Like trolling. they could put it at least a, a chat feature of some sort. A chat um, feature. If you have a smart TV, maybe a picture in picture feature. So yeah, you could see anything. the people watching the thing. Yeah. Enough. And Enough maybe they'll develop it. Um, all right. Did you watch Tiger King? <sighs> Just say yes or no. Just a yes or no question. Did you watch it? Uh, yes, but okay. not all of it. So, Carol Baskin oh of Tiger King fame Carol Baskin. was eliminated from Dancing with the Stars after Jesus. what was apparently an awful Lion King dance. Neil, are you rolling or trolling with Carol ba anything Carol Baskin? Let me tell you. I am not only trolling it, but I will consider canceling my subscription to anything that carries this nonsense. Enough of the, enough. Why is Carol Baskins a thing? A, B, that show demonstrates how far we've fallen at just as a society. Like they 
our decadence has gotten to us. We're going to end up like the people in, what was that? In Wally, just floating around in chairs, eating shakes and having all our meals liquefied because we're just too crazy to get up off the couch. That show was so awful. But I will tell you this, I feel for the Tiger King because the man had his whole zoo taken away from him and Carol Baskin's Everybody's watching it and sympathizing with her. In the background of every scene she's in is a tiger in a cage. Yeah. I thought yep. that was the whole problem. It was, it was definitely a problem. Um, oh I, I may or may not have watched said dance that eliminated her. And oh, it was, was it terrible? Horrible. That's another thing. Um, Let's cut to Dancing with the Stars. Is this terror still on the airwaves well uh who who knows who At still watches long it last have we we, no we won't be doing any dancing with the stars recaps oh so you don't have to worry about that um the i just i like I was even aware of it. i like adding little things in that i know are gonna set you <laughs> off like you're if the Isn't people could right? see you right now your face is all red you're just i'm mellow man i'm very mellow nothing gets to me <laughs> uh-huh yeah. all right well speaking of things that are gonna set you off <laughs> your boy henry cavill oh. apparently wants to play james bond in an interview he said i would absolutely jump at the opportunity at this stage it's all up in the air I would love to play Bond. It would be very, very exciting. Are you rolling or trolling a Henry Cavill, James Bond movie? I am trolling it because as a patriot, I feel, is it, is it not enough that he destroys American hallmarks? Now he has to fly overseas and tackle a British hero you know, from the British Isles, one of their standard bearers, has he not done enough damage in his career to all that we love and hold dear? Now he's got to import IP to destroy? I've had enough of him. Enough. Yeah, I'm trolling a Cavill. Troll. Just because he's got the emotional range of a rock. He's got Um, the warmth of a snow pea. I don't like him. Finally... Avatar 2 has reportedly wrapped filming more than a decade after the first was released. (laughs) Director James Cameron says Avatar 3 is nearly finished filming and Avatar 2 is supposed to come out in 2022. Neil, are you rolling or trolling? I am going to troll that shower of sadness. I think that is just... A, we saw Avatar 1... Back in the back in the day, only we called it Pocahontas. All right, when that that was basically you just ripped off the the Disney franchise, and and then it's all CG. The storyline is whacked, and we're supposed to wait and oh, it's going to be the biggest thing that's ever happened, and the alfalfa sprouts or whatever those things were that were flying around that were we were supposed to be amazed by. That movie sucked. The first one. We need three more? No. No. That's like having a, 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 a root canal in an alleyway in Calcutta. We don't need it. Enough. That is the worst idea. And, and James Cameron, like I was with you, man. Terminator, you know, two, yeah. Judgment Day. Aliens, pleurisy. 
I didn't think you could get better than Alien 1. Aliens rocked. He was doing good. And then, oh, well, he needs to be the guy you bring in for sequels. Not like, stop originating your idea. Titanic, okay. We all know how it's going to end. Ship's going to sink, okay? We didn't need four hours to get there. Fair. Didn't need it. Didn't need two VHS tapes back in the 90s. Didn't need Celine Dion just doing every infomercial at night, singing her song from the movie. Didn't need it. Didn't need it. He needs to be the sequel guy. He's the fixer. Very fair. the originator. Very fair. Um, all right. Well, that does it for rolling or trolling. All right. Let's move on to our next segment, a little bit updated. Stream it, skip it, or add it to the watch list. Here in this segment, what we will do is we're going to go over some of the most recently announced uh, upcoming shows or movies coming to the streaming world. And we are going to decide if we're going to stream it, skip it, or add it to our watch list. So first one is the upcoming Netflix show all about the pandemic called Social Distance. From Netflix, set in the initial months of the COVID-19 pandemic, Social Distance is an eight-part anthology series that showcases the power of the human spirit in the face of uncertainty and isolation. Each standalone episode is told through a virtual lens and captures the unique emotional experience of being forced apart by circumstance and having no choice but to communicate remotely and rely on technology to maintain any sense of connection. Leave it to Netflix and the big streamers of the world to take advantage of the fact that we all were forced to be shut in and now the world's getting back to normal. So they're gonna release an eight part series to shut us in again and watch on Netflix. It's, it's a vicious circle of horror, Chris. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna skip it. I'm gonna skip it because A, I live through quarantine. I, I, I know what it's like. I don't need them to contrive to make up some like show to make me feel good. You want to make a movie about like, oh, look, I fell in love on quarantine. But we made that movie. It was called Sleepless in Seattle. Okay. And Tom Hanks was online and he was texting me, you know, emailing with somebody back when that was a thing and they were IMing. And then he met somebody and he went and they saw them and that was great. Uh, we don't need it. We don't need it. Don't clutter my airwaves. Don't take off things like Parks and Rec to put that pile of nonsense on. It's unnecessary. We don't need it. We don't need it. Yeah, I will be skipping it as well. We're still in quarantine. So, you know, at least give it, <laughs> give right. it some time to breathe. Um, yeah. All right. The Witches coming to HBO Max. Robert Zemeckis? Zemeckis, Zemeckis or Zemeckis? Zemeckis. Well, Bob Zemeckis. Of Back to the Future fame. Yes. He is bringing The Witches to HBO Max this month, October 22nd. The reimagined film follows a young boy who stumbles upon a secret coven of witches while vacationing with his grandmother with whom he must 
work to stop their evil plan to turn the world's children into mice. Starring Anne Hathaway, Octavia Spencer, and Stanley Tucci, uh, based on the story by uh, Roald Dahl. Roald Dahl. Roald Dahl, who is a notorious freak, um, writes these things like this, and then people attempt to make them child-friendly. I'm in. I'm all in, because I love the original The Witches, I was a huge fan. Um, I was so glad to see they put it on. I, I, I got to figure out which um, service it was, but it is up for Frizzle online. I love the witches. Angelica Houston plays the head of the coven, um, the grand witch. She, you'd remember her from the live action Adams mm-hmm. Family movies. Uh, she was in a lot of um, Wes Anderson stuff. Uh, Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou with right. Bill Murray. In this new one, Anne Hathaway, love Anne Hathaway. I, I hear she's kind of not a nice person in, in real yeah. life. I think people in general, for whatever reason, either through film or if it's in real life or whatever, people seem to not really like her that much, yeah. which I will say, like, if people don't like her acting or whatever, I think this is a great part for her because she can overact a little bit in sure. certain areas, but this is where overacting really would we'll come through. Yeah. It seems like just from watching the trailer and seeing what her character is like, yeah, it seems to fit. So I'm, gonna I'm have... also going to stream it too. I think, oh, I think it. this is going to be good. Have to stream um, it. And I think we, I want to put this on the list of let's stream it and talk about it. Cause it's absolutely. October. Yeah. We should talk about it. Yep. Anne Hathaway is going to have a career like, um, Sandra Bullock. They're in kind of the same vein, started in similar mm-hmm. ways. But anyway, but the Tooch, Stanley Tucci. Gotta love him. If he wants to read the phone book, if they want to put that on Netflix instead of that pile of crap about quarantine, I'd watch that. Mm-hmm. I would watch Stanley Tucci play the shark in Jaws. Fun fact, Stanley Tucci, uh, I uh, went to high school with his nephew. Really? Yep, he called him Uncle Stanley. Uncle Stanley, the Tooch. Yep. Which is just very funny to me. Um, it was I'm such a random this. thing. He's like, he is not at all <laughs> who you would think the nephew of Stanley Tucci would be. Um, <laughs> anyways, moving on to our next film. <laughs> I, I don't even know how I'm going to say oh this full God. thing. The sequel <laughs> to Borat which is called, and I don't yes. even need to do a synopsis of what this movie is. Yeah. Borat, subsequent movie film, delivery of prodigious bribe to American regime <laughs> for make benefit once glorious nation of Kazakhstan. Coming to Amazon Prime, subsequent movie October film. 23rd. <laughs> Neil, are you streaming, skipping, or adding to your watch list more Borat? <laughs> I am going to add it to my watch list. I'm going to add it to my watch list because, like, it's funny. It's funny. It's irreverent. It pokes fun at, at, you know, people that need to be poked fun at at times and have a sense of humor about themselves uh, and the nation as a whole. 
so I'm gonna watch it. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put it on my watch list because I'm not gonna get yeah. to it right away. Uh, we're 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 in lockstep. I think this is on my watch list too. Yes. It's gonna be one of those where like, oh, yeah. that sounds funny. That's like, cool. oh yeah, but then it'll just kind of sit on my watch list. I don't know how motivated I'll get to actually watch it. Um, yeah. So I'm 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 with you there. Um, and then our next to last one from Netflix. Starring Emma Roberts, holiday. Fed up with being single on the holidays, two strangers agree to be each other's platonic plus ones all year long, only to catch real feelings along the way. Neil, I canceled you... cable to get away from this type of thing, to get away from the Hallmark Channel and this type of film experience. So you're so you're skipping this? I'm skipping it entirely. I. I like Emma, Emma Roberts. I, like, I know she tries to have a career. I think her best thing she's ever done was Scream Queens, the TV show Scream Queens. <laughs> Hysterical. And she was genius. But, uh, and, you know, and then she also made an appearance in Scream 4. Yep. But, no, I don't need to watch Emma Roberts pretend that she's some ugly duckling from some backwater town and can't get a date so she meets somebody and he has the same trouble even though they look like they're both chiseled from the very stone that god's made of like enough enough i don't i oh. we don't need to watch it neil you know you know i have a, a secret place a, a a love for a good rom-com but a I good rom-com. there is a difference between yes. a rom-com and like you said hallmark quote-unquote rom-coms yes and listen i think it's a good premise for a Mm rom-com but it definitely seems like it's straddling that hallmark movie line therefore for now i'll put it on my watch list and pretend that i'm skipping it um all right well that's all i got for stream it skip it add it to the watch list um i think just a little bit about what's going on specifically in the streaming world um, that we're not going to get to talking about this week, but that did come out this weekend. Uh, The father of the bride three ish reunion uh, for charity streaming on Netflix this weekend. Um, The Comey rule premiered on Showtime uh, starring Jeff Daniels and there's a movie called Vampires versus the Bronx yep. that came out on Netflix, uh, which I'm kind of interested in. It's got, I don't know if you ever heard of the movie Attack the Block. I've heard of it. Familiar which was it. very good. And this seems same like vibe. this. it's the same vibe. Um, and that was starring um, John, Boyega. John Boyega. There you go. Um, and then next week coming out, uh, a couple notable things coming out. Hubie Halloween Gotta coming see out it. on Netflix. So we we're probably going to talk about that next week. Yeah. I would imagine. Um, the Haunting of Bly Manor, a new series coming out, horror series coming out on Netflix. It's another um, Haunting of Hill House. Yes, exactly. And then more horror from Amazon Prime. The, the two first two Blumhouse movies, Black Box um, and The Lie, that comes out Tuesday. Let's get into our suggestions for each other from last week. Do it. Neil, 
Yes. I'm dying to know. <laughs> how did you feel about the boys? All right. After much uh, ado, I finally watched it. I made it. I binged the entire first season. Okay. Yeah. I binged the entire first. It's an excellent show. It's there excellent we go. Show. These are horrible people. Horrible people. But you know what? Like I, I like it because that is 100% what would happen yeah. if people had special powers and how it would work and what would be going on. Absolutely. So like I'm in. I, I don't know how much longer like they can keep it going because they the the homelander, the main guy who's basically Superman. Yep. You know, eventually we're going to lose reality because he would just like snap everybody in half that is against him. So there's not well, much longer they can stretch this out. When here here's what I'd like if you have the time. Yeah. If you can binge season 2. I'm on it. Because we're through seven episodes and next Friday is the season finale of season two. <laughs> we'll be able to talk about it on the podcast. So if you're that into, I'm glad you enjoy it. I think it's amazing. It's so good. Um, I would love to talk about the season finale <laughs> with you and do a little bit more in depth. Um, we can do a deep dive. We can do a good deep dive on the boys. Suggestion. Good suggestion. Awesome. Awesome. Um, so Good old fashioned orgy. Yeah. I watched it. It's streaming on both Amazon Prime and Hulu. I uh, see. That's why I got confused last week. Um, I thought it was fine. Wow. To be honest, okay. I, I thought it, you know, I didn't dislike it. Mm-hmm. Um, I but, thought it was going to check a few boxes for you comedy, sedacious, rom com. Yes. I like all the people who are in it. Right. I thought all the cast, people who are in cast. it are funny. Um, I, it's kind of rom com My, I think, I mean, I had a couple issues with it, but I don't want to like completely bash it because it was, is your, like I wrote like a little, like notes yeah. and like, it's bash my, it because my, if you give me a okay. bad one, I will definitely be horrible. My, just, I just want you to keep in mind that this review makes it seem like I hated this movie <laughs> and I didn't okay. hate it. Like I would All say right. it's a solid, like out of five stars, it's probably like a two star for me, maybe two and a half. It straddles yeah. the two, two and a half star line for me, which isn't like horrible, but it's also not good. It's okay. Right in between. So basically a group of friends that are approaching middle age somehow all have jobs where they can take the entire summer off to hang out with each other yeah, at their friend's house and party. Yes. I felt like it was supposed to be like a college teen movie with late 30 somethings, which didn't yes. really fit with me. Don Johnson is only in two minutes of the movie. That's right. And apparently his move to get the ladies, because he's a player, is to say, do you play golf? Like that's <laughs> yeah, a thing right. that works. So that was weird. Um, and then basically... The entire movie, I would say the majority of the movie is them deciding whether or not they're going to participate in this orgy. I will give it credit. I didn't think they were actually going to have said orgy. And the, the 
pun intended climax of the film (laughs) is a little crazy the actual orgy um although it's not like as salacious as you would think it's (laughs) it's like ridiculous stuff happening um (laughs) it was funny i have a really tough time buying that the four women in the movie that are absolutely gorgeous are going to just be all in on doing it with I mean, Sudeikis is charming, but Sudeikis, Nick Kroll. The guy um, from What's-His-Name and Tucker and Dale vs. Evil. The, yeah, wannabe Jack Black and Jack um, Black. The, the skinny guy that's in all the Seth yeah. Green movies. Like, that was really tough to buy into. Um, you could kind of tell that, like, a guy who looked like that wrote this movie. Definitely. Um, Definitely. That was, that was my review. It felt like they probably like, I think, did it come out a little after like old school was made maybe, which makes it was sense like the early, why they did it. Um, like 2010, 2012 kind of thing. Yeah. So that, that's, that's how I felt about it. My, my Fair honest enough. opinion yeah. of it. Again, not bad. It sounds like I hated it more, but those were the issues that I had. A fun time. But I'm excited. I did enjoy watching it just to be able to like, I I was excited to be able to talk about it. Because I like, if you couldn't tell by the fact that we have a podcast, we like talking about movies, regardless of how ridiculous the movies are. So Neil. Yes. That brings us to this week's suggestion for me. What do you got? All right. So I am going to theme all of my suggestions this month in the horror genre. So prepare yourself. It is October. It is my favorite time of year. Okay. I love Halloween. I love horror movies. And now it it is appropriate for us to watch them. Whereas the rest of the year, everybody just thinks I'm a weirdo. So I'm going to suggest to you, I have to ask first, have you seen the original Halloween? I referenced it earlier. I have not. Okay. I've seen bits and pieces when it like back in the day when it they would like play it on, on like VH1 or whatever. So I'm going to, I'm going to set the stage. I would like you to watch Halloween, the original, none yes. of the other ones, right? None of the remakes like Rob mm-hmm. Zombie did one called Halloween. You have okay. to find the original Jamie Lee Curtis, Donald Pleasance, English actor, very famous. Um, and, it was strange for him to do this movie at the time he did it because he was known for like the great escape and really epic films. Um, but he did do an interesting turn in the sixties. He played Blofeld in you only live twice. Oh, interesting. So he plays the psychiatrist that has been treating Michael Myers. So I would watch that. I would uh, make sure it's the right one. And I would watch it at night in the dark because you have to, you have to like shut out the extra sensory um, disruptions because you have to put yourself, this is a movie from the seventies. So you have to do everything you can to place yourself in like a drive-in movie setting in, you know, like you're, you're watching it on an old 24 inch screen type of thing. Get ready. And then I want to talk about it because I think it's going to be awesome. I think it's one of the quintessential horror movies. That's, you know, and I'm going to theme them out like that. 
All right, I I will do that for you. Okay. Now, and you know that you're not. I a am fan. not a horror film guy. I don't. Not to sound like a wimp, but I'm a wimp. <laughs> I don't like to be scared. But I'll tell you so, what. I'll tell you like, what. but I will say, like the horror movies, because you do know that I've kind of introduced them a little bit more into right. my watching and stuff like that, especially with like the more like kind of thrillery horror movies like like, stuff like that i really love so when it's a a good horror movie like i even though if i'm scared whatever like i will very much acknowledge that it's a good like i don't have a bias against it i just personally don't like to be scared so like this if i'm sure this is going to be good because it's widely touted as one of the greatest horror films ever so i'm sure i'm gonna like it i'm just terrified that i'm gonna be terrified watching this at night and i'm not gonna sleep and all that but i'll do it for you because normally if i'm especially gonna watch a movie like this it would definitely be in the daytime yeah definitely you gotta do this you gotta do this right because i want to talk about that i will do it that way i know you and that's why i chose this horror film okay for you to watch because i think it i think it checks some boxes for your allowable list yes so i think it'll work what is your suggestion for me sir all right well this is actually so i have actually written down a list of things that i could suggest to you what i'm gonna do is because i can't really do the same theme with you as far as horror movies, because you've seen them all, and there's no chance that I've seen one that you haven't seen. So, what are you in the mood for? And then that's how I'm going to dictate my suggestion to you. What are you feeling? What kind of movie are you feeling? Are you up? Are you down? Are you, like, what what do we got? What's the vibe right now that you have for this upcoming week? I feel like I should offset my because it's october 2nd so i should offset my month-long binge into horror with comedy with a comedy i don't think it should be uh you know thriller or you know suspense we could do that next week mm-hmm. but i'm about to do a deep dive so i think maybe we start the month or oh, you know what i'm gonna change that let me change that sir i think maybe in the middle of the month i may need a reprieve yes so why don't you hit me with like a thriller suspense cerebral something interesting cerebral suspense Maybe something, something i gotta think about something interesting something you gotta think about okay i don't know if this is on a streaming platform so you're gonna have to figure out a way to watch it you might have to rent it or do whatever you do so there's actually a movie that fits in this it's a movie called searching have searching. you seen this movie i have not Okay, so it stars, um, who does it star from Harold and Kumar? Is it Harold, John Cho? Yes, John Cho. Stars John Cho, and what happens is his daughter goes missing, and he's trying to find her, but what's cool about the movie is that it's entirely shot through technology if that makes sense so the only times you see people is 
through FaceTiming or you see them texting or like he's looking through her computer and you see him and his reactions to what he's reading because he's trying to find his daughter and figure out where she went and who took her if someone took her and all this stuff it's when i watched it it was really really cool i really enjoyed it um so that's a thriller that i kind of figured you hadn't seen yet and uh i would love for you to watch it i think you're gonna like it i'm gonna watch it searching i'm all for john cho not a fan of technology, but I'm going to allow it. But I think this is something that you're, you're going to enjoy it in spite of the technology. In spite I know of the at te- heart you're, you're an old okay. soul, but this, it's going to be good. It's a really cool concept. Yeah. They did a really good job of doing something different. I'm in. All right. In. Awesome. So we are going to watch those. We've got two more episodes of the Mandalorian to break down next week. We've got the season finale of the boys that we're going to try to break down this week. We've got Hubie Halloween coming out, which we're going to discuss. So we're going to have a lot of new stuff coming out and that we can discuss. So it's going to be a jam packed episode. Thank you guys again for listening. If you've made it all the way to the end, we appreciate it. If you do like what you're hearing, please like and subscribe wherever it is you're watching or sorry watching i should say listening god you can tell that i've only done this twice um please you know leave a review let us know how you're feeling let us know that you like it and uh until next time you know what are the magic words stream on stream on <laughs>